life is a testimony to it more than uh, more than some others. So if I can just get my phone, there we go. So the verse is, um, uh, it's John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Um, the part I'm kind of zooming in on is you did not choose me, but I chose you. And uh, in my life, it, the odds were just pretty much against me. You know, it's not like like my mom and my uh, like my entire family was going to church, and I just kind of joined everybody. And it's uh, no one was going. There's there's and with the school I was going to, none of my friends were about that. No one around me was a was about serving Christ. Yet I did for, for since I was 12 years old by just on my own. It's like, how, how does that happen? How can someone make those choices being surrounded by other people who want to do things that's not of Christ? And it's because God chose me. And for you, those of you here who serve Christ, serve God, uh, just to, an, an encouragement to know that he chose you, not you choosing him. Uh, though we do get to that moment, of course, we do choose. And if there's any confusion, talk to your leaders. But there's uh, um, the, the point is that to have that warming feeling, it's like a, how, how, how much more honor can we give God? You know what I mean? It's like, how grateful can we be to know that he had an eye on us? There we go. I just want to pray. Lord God, I thank you, Lord. Father, meet us here today, Lord God. Let us feel your presence, Lord God, during worship, Lord God. God, thank you, Lord God, that we can we can feel, Lord God, your presence, Lord God, Father, because you choose to share yourself with us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us free will, Lord God, Father, and giving us just, just so many good things in our life, Lord God. May today, Lord God, doing worship just be a, another moment, Lord God, of just enjoying, Lord God, you revealing yourself to us. In the name of Jesus, amen.
from living for God, from really truly serving Him. This song is talking about that that chain can be broken this morning. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a crazy addiction. It could be something horrible in your past or it could be just pride, thinking that you don't need Him. Come on, this morning, chains can break all over this place. We believe that we serve a God that is alive, a God that is alive right now and living in us. Come on, so this morning, if there's something holding you back from Him, between you and God, say, God, break that chain over my heart. Break that chain over my life right now. Come on, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Come on, start speaking in tongues in this place, church, that the Holy Spirit would do and break every chain keeping you from Him. Yes and amen to those promises to you today. Come on right now. Yes, say yes. 
you. Come on, say, God, I'm saying yes to you. Yes to your word. Yes to your promises. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, there's time for one more word this morning. you to raise those hands up right now if you're part of that army of the Lord come on we understand who our adversary is we understand that there is an enemy that wants to steal kill and destroy your life your purpose your marriage your family your joy your peace come on right now stand in the gap right now let's you raise your hands right now say devil devil you don't belong here you don't belong in our lives you don't belong we, we push you back in the name of Jesus push you back in our families we push you back your plans that you have for us and we say yes to Jesus and what he has for us come on we're part of that army of the Lord hallelujah you're part of that army this morning church
nothing like that name, Jesus. There's nothing like that name, Jesus. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. God came to earth. God lived a sinless life. God died for our sins. God was buried. God was resurrected and beat death. God lives forever and holds the keys of death and Hades. Jesus, you are Lord. You are God. And your name is above all names. You are above all dominion and authority. You are above everything that's going on in this world today, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We bless your name. We honor your name. We esteem your name. We confess, Jesus, you are Lord. Come on. Just bless his name. Jesus, you're awesome. Bless his name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Your word says that everyone who calls on your name will be saved. Lord, not just the calling itself, but from a heart of faith that Jesus, we believe that when we call on you, you will save us. You will forgive us. You will bless us. You will change us. You will deliver us. You will get us through this life. You will bring us into glory. And even as we're, you know, doing the, the spiritual warfare, it's not us. It's you. It's you. It's you in us and us in you. It's all about you, Jesus. We're nothing without you. Hallelujah. We just sing that song. Just said, calling that name from a heart of faith. Jesus. Jesus.
You're the only one that can forgive our sins and cleanse our hearts. You're the only one who can make us born again by giving us your spirit. You're the only one that can make us adopted as sons. You're the only one that can save our loved ones that are lost. You're the only one that's, in the end, you're going to heal every injury and infirmity. It's you, Jesus. You're the only one. You're the only one. Father, my prayer in Jesus' name is that everyone in this room, we just realize that more and more than ever, we have no one else to look to. We have no other hope. Our hope is not in money or relationships or anything else. This economy, this government, forget all that. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in your return. Our hope is that you are in us and you will glorify us in your presence. God, just expand our vision of Jesus this morning. Through this time of communion and through the message, I'm looking forward to the message, Lord. Just expand our vision of Jesus and all that he is to us. In his name we pray. Man, we can all um, praise God. Praise God. Is he good? Praise God. All right. You can kind of find your place. I want us to... Actually, uh, just remain standing for right now because we're going to take communion. And uh, but find your place by your seat, and then we're going to dismiss the children. You see, they're following uh, Rudy there, and they're going off to Sunday school. So, you got any kiddos? You can send them off. And we're going to have our ushers right away. You can start handing out the elements of communion. And uh, someone, please get one to me quickly. Thank you. How y'all doing this morning? But isn't God good? My name is uh, Jared. I'm one of the pastoral staff here at MPI Church. And what we do on the first Sunday of the month is we take communion. How many of you have taken communion before? How many of you have not taken communion? Or maybe you took communion and you didn't even know what you were doing. You just did it because, you know, they were in a line and, and you just went in the line. And, oh, they're taking communion in this line. Okay, that's how it was when I, whenever I went to Catholic Church. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. It's just, oh, okay, I'm a little thirsty. Sure, I'll take some, some juice. You know, okay, thanks. You know, so that's, that's how it was. And so just want to get a sense of where you're at. I mean, a lot of us know what communion's about. But let me just reiterate it. We take communion to commemorate the sacrifice of Jesus. And the wafer that's, that's here, it represents his body. And the Bible says that at the cross, Jesus bore our sins in his body. Now, something to think about. Sin is the reason you're ever sad or, or pain, and in pain. Sin is our evil. It's our rebellion. It's our separation from God. And with that comes sadness and suffering and sickness and curses and everything else. So Jesus, when he bore our sins in his body at the cross he took the sin of the world on himself and with it all the misery all the curses all the sickness all the wrath of God he bore it in his body and what does it look like it looks like the excruciating death of the cross it looks like a dying man saying my God my God why have you forsaken me he bore our sins in his body when his 
wrists were pierced, when his feet were pierced, when they pierced his side, when they gouged his scalp with the crown of thorns, when they mutilated him with whips. Anybody seen Passion of the Christ? It's pretty accurate. He bore our sins to show the ugliness and horror of sin, but to absorb it on our behalf so there's nothing left for us. Amen. To remove the power and penalty of sin in our life, he took it on himself in the body. And the juice represents the blood. And it's said to be the blood of the covenant. It's the blood of a sinless, perfect sacrifice to cover sinners like us that have fallen short of God's glory. Yet Jesus always did what was right. He was a perfect sacrifice. Before I continue, let me just quickly, we could put the verse up here. Let me make you aware of something. There are some of you, you should be very wary about communion right now. We're not going to forbid anyone from taking communion. But let me just give you this word of warning from Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 29 says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. So you're not doing this just to do it today. Amen? And let me just say, if you're not a Christian today, you need to become a Christian. You need to repent of your sin, of the evil things you've done, and overall the sin of just doing life your way without God, as if God didn't matter. Sure, you go to church sometimes. Sure, you drop money in the bucket sometimes. But it's really always on your time, and, and God is there to serve you. But friends, God is our creator. God made us, and we were made to love God. And anything less of that is sin. So you get right with God today through Jesus, recognizing he bore your sins in his body. His blood cleanses you, and that's the only way you get in. And his resurrection affords you new life. And you could take communion. You could, because in that instant, through faith in Jesus, through that recognition, through calling on his name as we were doing, you believe he will save you, he will save you. Amen? And we certainly welcome you to take communion, which is communing with the Lord. And I want to say this for everyone, Christian and non-Christian alike. Don't take this irreverently. This is serious. Just in your mind's eye, place yourself at the scene of his crucifixion. There were some people who were kneeling at the foot of the cross. But there were others who were walking by and hurling insults at Jesus. Which one are you going to be this morning as we remember what he did for us, as we proclaim the Lord's death? Do not take it irreverently. Get the sin out of your life. Confess your sin to the Lord. Thank him for forgiveness. Thank him for the sacrifice. Salvation is free to you, but it costs him everything. So I want us to take this together. Let's start with the wafer. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this together. Thank you, Lord. 
representing the blood. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Do this in remembrance of me. taking communion has done so with a pure heart a heart that's been washed in the blood of Jesus a heart that's been changed by the Holy Spirit who has given us through faith in Jesus Lord we may have walked in this building as dead sinners but we can leave this building and experience communion as children of God we thank you for the gift of salvation and we remember that it cost Jesus his body and blood. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Praise be to God. I would like us to, before we move on, in fact, we need some prayer workers here. We got Pastor Griselda and Chris here. And if you're somebody who walked in today, you didn't know Jesus, and you just you just made it right with God, you really want to talk to them. You want to say, hey, what's next? What do I do next? How do I live for Jesus? How do I be one of God's people? Talk to one of them, and we're going to fellowship in a few moments. You'll have that opportunity. But let us together, as God's people, uh, say this confession of faith. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Christianity is historically taught, and this is what we live by. So let's say it together at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the perfect uh, United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe the salvation for all mankind it is by faith alone. this opportunity go and meet somebody that's uh, somebody new and love on them
Good morning, good morning. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Make some noise. We are so excited that you have decided to join Metro Praise International to praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Turn to your neighbor, just give them a high five. Let them know that it's awesome to see them here. Say, I am so glad you came. If this is your first time, we welcome you. Thank you for choosing to join us this morning on behalf of the leadership here. We welcome you. If you did not receive this brochure at the door and it's your first time, we would like for our ushers to hand it out to you. You can simply fill out the bottom portion, drop it in the drop box, and we would love to connect with you throughout the week. Let's just give it up right now for all of our first-time visitors. Make them feel all nice and warm and welcome. Our service is here at MPI every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then Fridays at 7 p.m. We have Elevate. Our service for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old, they're blowing it up for Jesus, winning their friends for the Lord, and just exciting, exciting stuff happening. Our one special announcement that we have for this month is we are having a Christmas party. Who's excited about our Christmas party this month? Come on. And it's going to be Sunday, December 21st at 10 a.m. during our regular Sunday morning service. We are going to have a Christmas talent show. If you are going to be in that talent show, make some noise. Okay, they're a little weak, Ishmael. So today during tryouts, we're going to have to work on them. If you are interested in being in that talent show presentation, Ishmael, if you could just raise your hand. You want to see this man after service and let him know you want to perform. We want to see your talents, your gifts, your creativity. Dance like a little elf for Jesus, whatever you want to do. We want to see it. And then we're going to have free family portraits, gifts for the children, and then baptisms. How many of you guys want to see some new believers, rededicated people, baptized for the Lord? If you are interested in being baptized and you want to get right with God, get right today and get baptized in a couple of weeks. And you want to see Pastor Berto right there in the back. That's your man. He's waving your hand. He's waving his hand. You could just take a couple steps forward so that these people can see you. That is Pastor Berto. You want to talk to him if you are serious about getting baptized that day because we take it serious and we're very, very excited. Invite your friends, invite your families, invite your neighbor, go into the streets, bring everybody you can grab for that day, okay? Because we want to blow it up and just give God the praise and the glory. Amen? Awesome, awesome. Moving right along, our vision. Our vision here is very simple, but yet so profound because it's Jesus' two greatest commandments to us. We want to love God and we want to love people. Sounds simple, right? Love God, love people. Then our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. Our first phase is connect. We want to connect you to Jesus, connect you to the church through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handout, we have a list of places and types of life groups that you can plug into, that you can get involved and connect with the people in this church so you can feel like family. And this is a snapshot of what's happening just this week. So today, Sunday, we have our worship team meeting. It's specifically for our 201ers, deacons and elders at 1230, so immediately following the service. We also have our single moms meeting today. Come on, single mamas, make some noise. Child care is always provided. They're meeting at 5 p.m. Then Wednesday, King's Kids Life Group, that happens every single week here at the church, infant to 11 years old at 6.30, roughly to around 8 o'clock. You can drop off your children, pick them up afterward, or you can just stay with them and have some fun. 
Then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house and one at the Walker's house. They both have child care, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. You want to be a part of that throughout the week if you are an adult because that's where it's happening. And then Saturday evangelism, all ages are welcome, 5 p.m. Meet her at the church and go street witnessing and share your faith with the Lord. How many of you guys are excited to tell somebody about Jesus? If you've never done it, do it. It will stretch your faith, and it will let you know how awesome Jesus is for saving you and how he could use you to save others. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. So we want to be wise and win souls for the Lord. Then we want to mentor you. So we want to take you through our 101 book. I have two 201 books up here. But our 101 book is Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders in place ready to take you through that book. If you want to get close to God, get discipled, get mentored, let our leaders know. And then after you graduate the 101, you get into the 201, Disciples That Make Disciples. This is our leadership training class where we teach you how to defend the faith, how to live holy, humble, free, and all that good stuff, managing your family. And then we want you to graduate to be an elder or deacon one day. Then we want to send you out, tell everybody you know about Jesus. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. By God's grace, we will because we want souls to be one for the Lord. At this time, we're going to prepare to learn about our new um, lesson on tithes and offerings. How many of you guys have been blessed by the Disciples Giving book? We are coming to the close of, the, of our first year of going through this book. Joe has intricately taken his time to write this so that it could bless us for years and years to come. And we are on the last section, section four. And today we're going to be going over lesson seven, overcoming impatience. How many of you guys get impatient in life? We get impatient with each other. We get impatient with God. Please turn to your Bibles to James 5, 7 with me this morning. We need the Lord to give us patience, and it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And especially when it comes to our finances and, and our needs, you know, we can kind of get impatient in that area and, um, and lose our blessing. So we want to learn how we can harness that and say, God, let your will be done. I'm going to trust you no matter what. The definition of a hindrance, which is what we're learning in Section 4, overcoming those hindrances that hold us back. A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. So we don't want impatience to creep up into our life so that we disobey God and we lose out on that blessing. Let's read James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Say, I will be patient. There are three points to get from the passage of scripture. Number one, be patient. Patience means to bravely endure times of waiting. And in this microwave world that we live in, we do not like to wait. We have to wait in grocery lines. We have to wait at the doctor's office. We just have to wait, wait, wait. Well, guess what? Sometimes God has seasons of waiting for us as well. The good farmer cannot become impatient with the seeds he planted. He must bravely endure the time of waiting because if he tries to gather his crops too early, he will lose his harvest. So let's be patient and take those steps with the Lord, following him in obedience until the blessing comes. Number two, the Lord is coming. Just like how we are patiently waiting for the second coming of Jesus, we must be like the farmer and patiently wait for our financial harvest. So like I've explained before, we're not in this 
to just get what we want out of Jesus. We're in this for the long haul, for relationship, for intimacy, because we love him. And we trust him in those steps along the way to speak to us, to encourage us. We don't lose hope like the world loses hope because our hope is ultimately in who Jesus is, not in only what he gives. But he promises that if we wait and we are patient in our waiting, he will provide the blessing, the breakthrough will come. Number three, valuable crop. Remember, as surely as good seed in good ground with good weather under the care of a good farmer will produce a good harvest. How many of you guys want a good harvest? Our good God, say my God, is a good God. And our good God will reward our good seed with a good harvest if we bravely endure the times of waiting. How many of you guys are ready to endure times of waiting? Stand up to your feet and clap your hands to the Lord for thanking him for all that he's done. He is good. I was reading this morning. The Bible says, give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. Amen. Let's summarize this. Be patient and waiting for God to bless you. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes. 10% 10 of your total income and offerings. Anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have become impatient with God. And three, ask God to teach you how to be patient. Let's confess this on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Come on. God is good. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings, and we want to give you the end-of-the-month report for where we are in our missions fund. God has showed up through your generosity, through your faithfulness. Our goal was to raise $20,000 in the year of 2014 so that we can go to the Philippines next summer. And up to date, we have $18,302. Give yourselves a, a hand clap. Give the Lord a hand clap. So we have the rest of the month, the rest of this year, to raise the $1,698. Keep staying faithful. Keep giving to the Lord because we are going to take this money, take this seed that you've generously and faithfully given so that we can meet the needs in the Philippines, preach the gospel there so the nations can be saved. Amen. And so here at MPI, we believe the tithes are 10% of your total income. And then we give offerings either to the missions or the building fund. Just make that clear amount uh, detail the amount on the envelope and let's recite this passage of scripture together this verse acts twenty thirty five. the lord jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive let's pray god we thank you so much for your faithfulness we thank you god that you do meet our need and i pray that we all as a church as a body of christ would be patient to see your blessings flow in our life that we will not get discouraged that we will not get angry or upset with you, but that we will patiently endure the times of waiting, growing closer and more intimate with you. Bless us on our jobs, our workplaces, bring increase in this time, this new season of our life. And I pray that you bless the gift and the giver this morning, all the tithes, all the offerings that comes into your house this morning. May we use it to win America and win the nations for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Please come forward this morning as you give.
Amen, amen. If you're ready for the new man, say, I'm ready. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Good to see everybody here this morning. Y'all getting ready for the holidays? Y'all staying busy going shopping? Anybody here going to not shop this year and just say, my love is all you need? My love is your Christmas gift? You know what? I say this every year, but you can do it, parents. What can you do? You can write that Christmas card, put it under the tree, put it in a big box if you want to, put a bow on it, do whatever you want to do. And then when they just open it up, it just reads, everything I'll do for you in 2015 is my Christmas present. Your food, your clothes, the heat in the winter, the air conditioning in the summer. Merry Christmas. And how many children should, how many young people know they should say amen to that? Right? We're not greedy. We should be able to say, if my parents provide for me, let me just say this a little bit more serious, because a lot of times people go in debt, they feel this need to, to do this stuff. Don't do this, parents. Just take care of your kids. Amen. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to get a new pair of shoes, a $500 Xbox system. Just give them food, give them clothes, give them love, and that's it. And if they have a problem with it, tell them to come see me, okay? Tell them, come see me. Come to my house on Christmas. We don't even celebrate Christmas. Y'all couldn't even believe that. But we don't put up a Christmas tree, no tree, no presents, no nothing. But guess what? We got Jesus. We got love. We got all that we need. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you now. You guys think I'm somewhat silly, but that's all right. That's just our tradition. Because my whole thing is if it's all about Jesus, why not make it about Jesus, right? So just let me encourage you today, as you're buying things, buy it within your budget, okay? And then as we're raising money for missions and all that, if you're buying stuff, don't forget to buy something for Jesus, okay? Get, give Jesus some money to go on the mission field, okay? Because that's what we're bringing is Jesus to the Philippines, right? So if you, like, stop giving in December because you've been spending so much on each other, think about me coming to your birthday party, giving all your friends a gift, and then me saying, I got no money for you because I spent it all on them. If it's his, if you all going to celebrate his party, if it's a party for him, how many celebrate Christmas? Make some noise. Okay, now, now you all being shy like you don't celebrate him. You know some of you going to be coming down with the Santa hat and all that Christmas day. How many of y'all celebrate Christmas? Okay. Just make sure you got something for Jesus under that tree. Amen. Oh, praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So good to have you here. Yeah, I used to make a big fuss about Christmas, but I just said, you know what? I'm going to give freedom to everybody. Freedom to celebrate, freedom not to celebrate. And that's just everybody's choice. Everybody gets their own choice. But our kids are blessed, man. If you know my kids, they are blessed. And uh, we want to give back at that season. So we really like to sow generously. Sometimes December, just for my family, we sow some of our generous seed into the kingdom of God, into missions, into those things. And uh, charity, giving to charity, helping the homeless. I know that a lot of you have that on your heart. So don't forget about that stuff as well. Oh, and by the way, uh, the the Wednesday family fun night that we're going to have. What December date is that? December what? The 17th. We're giving away free gifts to every children that, to child that comes, and we're doing a drawing to give away a free bike, okay? So I want you all to come and bring your neighbors to try to win that bike, to get the free gifts, and then just to have a good time eating some food, because we do like to party for Jesus, amen? 
Okay, and then by the way, for that Christmas uh, audition, you don't have to be in the 201 class to come today if you want to meet with Ishmael to be in it. And I just want to put this out there. We are looking for a tiny Tim this year, a tiny Tim. So if you know anybody that could be a tiny Tim, it's going to be a talent show, but we're really going to want to see a performance from tiny Tim. So if you want to go do that, please see Ishmael. If you're with me in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, can you say I'm there? All right, we're in a series called the, uh, the Identity of Christ, the New You. It's all about knowing what God said about you and doing what God said you can do. Everybody say this with me. I am who God said I am. I can do what he said I can do. And that's what this whole series is about. It's just getting the focus, the mindset of Christ. I do think it's great that it's planned right before the new year because a lot of you guys are thinking about making changes and resolutions. And by the way, the last Sunday of this year will be a powerful series tying together sermon that if you want to bring some of your friends and family to bring them to that last service of the year because I'm going to tie the whole series together and talk about starting 2015 crispy and clean for Jesus Christ. You know what I mean. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to rhyme a little bit, all right, young person? So bring your friends, and we're going to rap to that, okay? But 2015, you're going to start off crispy and clean because God has been doing a work in you and preparing you for good things. So if you make it to January 1st, you know, 1201, that means God has got a plan for you, amen? You all want to come prepared to that, right? Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 has been our scripture all week, uh, all series long, all month long. Here it is in the NIV. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Amen. Look at the next translation, New Living Translation. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Today we're going to talk about the new man looking at the context of Colossians chapter 3. So you can begin to open up Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. As you're turning there, I want to just ask you a question right here. Do you really believe that Jesus made you new when you were born again? Do you really believe that? Or do you believe you're a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Do you believe there's a good you and then there's an evil you? Do you believe like you're a split personality? Or do you believe that when you were born again, one you was made a new you? One you was made a new creation. One life was made a new life. Because I want to tell you today, if you actually believe that, you can live like that. You can live like that. You can live a new life. So when does the new life start? When I believe in Jesus. When I believe that Jesus actually gave me a new life, that's when the new life starts. That's when the new habits begin. So what if I told you right now, those of you, if we talked privately and we went to my office, had counseling, and we maybe talked about your marriage and you said you guys have struggled this year, what if I told you right now today you could have a new marriage? Would you believe me? What about some of you who have been struggling with habits, cursing, smoking, pornography, or just nervous tendency, biting your nails or worrying all the time? What if I told you right now you could stop worrying, you could stop that habit and start something else? Would you believe me? What if I told you today, those of you who have been under guilt and condemnation and uh, shame and embarrassment of what you've done in the past, what if I told you that could end right now? Would you believe me? Or would you say, Pastor, that's too good to believe it's true. That's too good to be true, as the saying goes. Would you say that's too good to be true, or would you believe it? 
See, what if I told you then that everything I just mentioned right now in this introduction is actually the promise of the gospel? It's actually the promise of what Jesus Christ came to do. Jesus Christ did not just come to give us a ticket to heaven so that we could be like the little child in uh, Willy Wonka's, you know, in the, what's that show? Is it called Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. So I go, I got my ticket, my golden ticket to heaven. Here I come. You know, and then my whole life down here, I'm living in a jacked up house. I got a jacked up attitude. My life is messed up. I'm tore up from the floor up. But I got my golden ticket. And one day I'll go see Willy Wonka. Is that what it's like to believe in heaven? Didn't Jesus say that we should pray his kingdom come on earth right here? Everybody say right here. Amen. Right here as it is in heaven. He didn't just say that for a wishful thinking, you know, like, you know, one day you guys are going to be able to fly, you know. And so right now, just pray that you can grow wings and fly. And so when Michael Jordan, or, or rather when somebody sings about Michael Jordan, I believe I can fly. Like we all see this as the greatest achievement of humanity. Like he just flies for like three feet and dunks the ball. And we all go, if we just could fly like Michael Jordan, then one day we'll get wings and really fly like Red Bull or something. Is that the promise of heaven to tease us here on earth? Is, is the promise? promise of heaven to tease us and then by works we work our way up to try to fly and do good things but we can only get this high and that's the best among us is some saint or some religious person that's the best we can do because everything other than that God has just teased us with see if God really said heaven could come to earth he really meant heaven could come to earth when Jesus walked the earth did he sin yes or no when Jesus walked the earth did he sin Did he not sin by his divinity or by his humanity? What gave him the choice and the ability not to sin? Divinity or humanity? No, it was his humanity. Jesus became a man, Philippians chapter 2, and limited his divine rights and set the example as a man. When Jesus performed miracles, did he do it based upon his divinity, his God power? Was he like Superman among us? Or did he do it? based in humanity humanity when he loved the unlovable did he do it out of divinity or humanity humanity what did he show us he showed us what a perfect man can be when jesus first created adam was adam divine was adam a little god but yet adam was perfect see some people say no one is perfect except god but hold on god can make perfect things i thought adam was made perfect was he not see this will get you to think right here Now, when Jesus makes us born again, are we born again perfect or are we born again imperfect? When he said, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, was he saying be jacked up because your father is jacked up? Is it okay if I use the word jacked up? Because I don't know what other word to use. Messed up, tore up. What other word could I use? Shout it out. Okay, tore up. Thank you. One dude embarrassed himself and me. That's okay. Tore up. Okay, here we go. Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So I translate that today in modern society to mean be tore up because the Father is tore up. No, no, how could I misunderstand? Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's right. Nobody's born perfect until they're born again in the perfect image of Christ and his righteousness. So why do we keep using the mistake uh, or or the, the language of sinners when we're supposed to be saints? 
If I'm really supposed to be born again in the image of God, am I relating now to the fall of Adam or am I now relating to the first creation of Adam? When I am born again, what am I relating to? The sinfulness of Adam when he ate the fruit? Or am I relating to the breath of God being breathed in Adam and man was good? What does it mean to be born again, my friends? What does it mean to be saved? If you're not saved, you're still perishing. If I pull you up out of the muck and the mire, are you still in the muck and the mire? You are saved from what? The muck and the mire. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said. All Christians say they're saved, but they don't act like they're saved from nothing. You should be saved from a bad attitude. You should be saved from stinking thinking. You should be saved from perversion. You should be rescued from all that was causing you to perish. Now you may say, Pastor, talking like this might get me to fulfill the commands of God. That's right. Talking like this might actually get you to believe that you can obey Jesus. And I want to go back to that example because it might seem a bit complex, but I want to say it again. When he said heaven could come to earth, that we were perfect as our heavenly father was perfect, he said you can obey my commands and show it as your love for me. He told us to go into all the world and teach them to obey everything that he commanded. Is he now saying to us, only the Michael Jordans among us? Imagine this is the equivalent, the commands, right? The commands are the equivalent of Jesus telling us to fly. Is it that ridiculous? And then there's one among us, like a Michael Jordan, who does all of his effort and can jump for three feet and, and, and hold himself there for 10 seconds. Is that really the Christian life? Jesus beckoning you to obey his commands. Jesus telling you to live a different life. And then it's only the one who's fasted for 40 days, read their Bible, memorized it, who then just, it, it just, just, just live for Jesus just for a little bit. And then they stumble and fall, and that's the best among us. Or is the command... To follow Jesus, that command to obey all of his commands. Like Jesus telling us, I'm going to put you in a 747 and have you ascend on the sky like wings like an eagle. And now what was impossible for you becomes possible because I make a way. Is following Jesus trying to elevate yourself like Michael Jordan or flying in a plane like a 747? How would you fulfill that command if God said you got to fly? In your own human effort? Or upon the efforts of others. Jesus Christ died. Not only that sins could be forgiven, but that righteousness could be imputed. Think about that. Not only are you forgiven of sin, but righteousness is imputed. Where does the new life come from? Christ. Who gives you the new life? Christ. Where does righteous behavior come from? Christ. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him, Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So where does righteousness come from? Me trying to flap my wings or sitting back in a 747 saying, you take the real Jesus. It gets quiet when I talk like that. I want you to get it in your heart. Keeping the commands of God is not done in human effort. It's based upon the effort of another, and he gave us that power. When the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, it's not just talking about getting 10% off at Walmart this week for a Christmas present. Talking about, yeah, I know we use this scripture all the time. Women having a bad hair day. Oh, I know I can do all things through Christ. Come on, help me, Jesus. I know sometimes we think like that. Oh, Lord, I got to pay my mortgage today. I know I can do all things through Christ. No, no, no. That's just the beginning. 
The external blessings of God are just the beginning. It's the all things through Christ on the internal life. It's the inner man that can do all things, overcome sin. I mean, what would you rather have, a Lamborghini or a sound mind? What would you rather have today, a mansion or a marriage? What would you rather have, children with uh, a 16th birthday party downtown and a million dollars spent and little Wayne comes and performs and jumps out of a cake? Or would you want to have a young person who has Jesus in their heart? Now, if you can have external blessings and inward transformation at the same time, would you want both? Amen? So I'm not saying let's all just be spiritually poor because we're so holy. But I am saying there is a priority one over the other. The inner transformation comes first. I'm asking God to transform me here and believe God for power here more than just me getting a good parking spot when I go to the hip mall so I can get a good deal at Best Buy. Are you following me? Are you ready for more of the Bible? Are you with me in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1? We're going to read all 17 verses. Are you excited about that? Amen. I forgot my pastor joke book at home, so you're just going to have to have the Bible today. Is that okay? You know, of course, it will be funny as we go, but I didn't come to tell stories about my life as a child and how I was left and abandoned and made friends with uh, wild animals in the woods. I didn't come to tell stories about that. I came to preach the words. Anybody ready for the word? Because it's not my stories that are going to help you, right? You know, you got to go home and understand this. So that's why after we've been doing this series and we've been hitting on a lot of topics, now I just want to read chunks of the Bible. I just want to read chunks of the Bible because I hope that now it's opening up to you. I hope that when you read this passage in Colossians, it opens up to you now, and and you put it all together, what we've been talking about, from the words of Jesus to the words of Paul, it all fits. Amen. We're going to go today out of the New King James Version because of the way it translates some of the words. So if you're not in that version, you can follow up here. Our notes are always online, and you can check it out as well. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Does that not sound like what I was just talking about? Now, your pastor needs to know whether or not I'm doing a good job. Can you tell me, is that not just what I was talking about? Is this not what we're saying today? I've been raised with Christ, and I think on things above. Why? Because I've died, and I've got a new life. I'm not half dead and half alive. I am alive in Christ and dead to my sins. That's what Jesus said. Not on my own effort, but on his effort. Oh, praise God. Keep going. Verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, which is lust, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived with them. How many used to walk like that? Anybody going to admit who they, who they used to be before Jesus? Come on, you used to tell lies, you used to be unclean, you full of lust, you were covetous, idolatrous, putting things before God. Look at verse 9. But now yourselves are to put off these, anger, wrath, excuse me, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Hello, somebody. Anybody else that used to talk like that, walk like that? Don't lie one to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Some may say we have taken off the old man and we have put on the new man. Does it say we're going to do that when we go to Macy's? 
Does it say that we're going to do that when we get to heaven? It says it in the past tense. It says you can live like this because you have taken off, past tense, the old man with his deeds. And it's genderless here, speaking of the human race, ladies. So just, you can think of it that way. Our deeds, plural in humanity. And they have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you think that makes a difference? Christ is all and in all. If I said you were in the middle of a typhoon right now, do you think you would feel it? If you were in the middle of a nuclear bomb going off, do you think you would feel it? Would there be a difference in your life? Would you be, would you, would you be changed in some way? Hello. If Christ is in you, is there power to change things? Let's keep going to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... How does God consider us holy and beloved? Does he consider us dirty, rotten, and sinful? We are considered what? Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. So why do we forgive? Because what? Christ forgave us. Why do we love? Because Jesus loved us. Am I loving to try to get God to love me? I'm loving because he loved me. Why are we to be kind? Because God has been kind to us. Look at what it says. If any one of you has a complaint, forgive as Christ has forgiven. Now verse 14, but above all these things, put on what? Love, which is the bond of being perfect or the bond of perfection. Are we bound by imperfection or bound by perfection? I wish somebody would get that today. We're bound by perfection. Is God perfect or imperfect? If he was going to whittle a chair in front of us here, would it be a perfectly whittled chair or a messed up chair? When he binds you together with love, are you perfect or imperfect? Are you righteous or unrighteous? Are you holy or are you unholy? Believe it, amen? That's how we live it, by believing it. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Some of y'all got to let peace come in. Peace is knocking at the door. Y'all need to chill out. No, I ain't letting you in peace. I got to handle this family problem myself. Peace is at the door. Come on, guys. Give me a try. No, peace, you can't come in. How many of you want peace of mind today? What does the Bible say? Let it in. Let peace in. If you are worried, filled today, it's because you made a choice to not let peace in. If financial worries have taken over your mind, it's because you haven't let financial peace from the pits of peace in. Come on, somebody say let peace in. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We surrender to it. It doesn't conquer us and force us in some fatalistic way. We submit ourselves, and then we get the benefit of the rulership. To which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do you know that us singing is a part of teaching the gospel? I can't wait to talk about this more, but I just got to pause right here. Do you know that when you sing songs, you're teaching the neighbor who hears you the gospel? If you're not singing, you're not teaching. Do you know when I teach my children to sing songs about God, I'm teaching them the gospel? 
Now, when we sing songs about God, are they honoring the gospel? That should be the next question, right? When you sing that Lady Gaga song, is that honoring the gospel? Somebody here who's ever sung a song like that. When you're singing a Mark Anthony song, are you honoring the gospel? I don't even know who else is popular today. I'm not saying you can't listen to some of this stuff. I'm just saying they honor different things. Some of them honor the human body. We'll just leave it at that. Some of them honor having a good time. But the Bible says when we sing the songs of God, these spiritual songs with grace in our hearts, we are teaching and admonishing one another. That's something to think about how words can change your life, especially in song. Verse 17, and whatever you do, does it say just on Sunday? Does it say just when you feel like it? Does it say just when you feel holy? It says, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm going to give this last illustration because I cannot leave it. It's a philosophical illustration. I want you to get it for the third time today. When he said, right here at the end, well, you can look at it as a bookshelf. Let me turn the bookshelf like this. You know bookshelves have two ends, correct? There's this then and there's that and there's everything in between. It starts off in this passage in verse 1, setting our minds and hearts on Christ, and it ends by doing everything unto Christ. Those are the bookends. Everything in between, taking off and putting on, has to do with those bookends. Are you with me? Setting our mind on Christ, pleasing God in all that we do. Let me ask you this one last time. Is that the equivalent of God saying, I want to see you fly? And then is it the equivalent of us responding in our human effort? This is not an impossible task if we come to Christ who enables us to do it. If you make in any excuse or any concession in your life to not please God in some area of your life, you have made that area an idol in your life. So if you say, I, I want to please God in every area except my family, we're going to do it our way, your family now has become your idol. If you say, I'm going to serve God in every way except what I sit on my backside, my wallet, I'm not going to serve him in that way. Jesus can have my heart, but he can't have MasterCard. If that's the way you are, greed and money has become your idol. If you say that I'm going to uh, serve God in every way except on my job, I'm going to cuss on my job, I'm going to compromise, I'm going to cut corners, your job has become your idol. If you submit to Christ and say, everything I do, Everything I do, whether in word or in deed, is for you and to give thanks to you. You have now accomplished what Jesus said you can do by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what does he say? And all these things will be added unto you. Do you think when we please God, he's going to leave us as paupers and beggars? Do you think that's the life of a Christian? Like, when I start pleasing God on my job, I'm going to get fired and have nothing and be homeless and blame the pastor for giving me dumb advice. Thanks, pastor. I actually stopped lying on the job to honor God, and now look where it got me. Do you think Jesus is going to ruin your family when it comes to your children? Thanks, pastor. I told my children to stop having a potty mouth. Now they don't listen to How many know if you follow God's commands, you'll get God's benefits? How many think God's commands are a good thing, a righteous thing, a pure thing, and they should be taught again not only in church but in our governments and schools? How many think young people should have the textbook of the Bible? That used to be their textbook, by the way. Northeastern used to be a Bible college, Harvard. Are you all with me? The Northeastern College here was started by Methodists. How many think we need to bring God back into the education and the government, to the police, to the military, and all that we do in word or deed, doing all unto Jesus? Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. Let's get to the sermon now. Verse 1, 
Y'all ready for the sermon? It's going to be good. Amen? Sermon is good. Come on. Verse 1 through 2, the Bible talks about setting our mind and our hearts on Christ. Please go to the notes. What he's making reference here is to what he said in Colossians 2, verse 12. So I want you to turn there with me now. Look at what he said in a prior verse, Colossians 2, verse 12, because he says, set your minds on Christ. Set your hearts on Christ. Well, how can we do that? You're going to learn how we can do that by the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel is what transforms our life, and he said it in a prior chapter, and I've taught this whole book before verse by verse. It's on our website, and if you can't find it, you can just ask me, and I'll get it to you. But we've taught this whole, uh, whole book before, and I love it. How many like the book of Colossians? How many heard of the book of Colossians before you came to church today? You're pretty awesome, amen? That's good. That's a start. Look at, uh, before we go to verse 12, which is a climax of this, let's go to second, uh, Colossians 2, verse 9. And look at Paul making this big point here of what the gospel does. And we're going to stay in the New King James just because I want it to all tie together with the verbiage. Look at what it says in verse 9. Just scroll up a little bit for me, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Paul is making this great, eloquent speech about who Christ is. And he says, for in him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily. And you are what? Complete in him. Now, you know what's awesome about this Bible? You guys just got to work with me. Hover that mouse right over complete and touch on it. You'll see the Greek word teleos. Click on it right there, sir. Click on it. There you go. Look at it right there. Or or rather, Peru. Everybody say Peru. This is another one. I'm going to get to tell you us later, but check this out. Pelru, which means finished, accomplished, full, perfect. It has been furnished to another level. That is the meaning of this. Fulfill, fill, to be full. Look at what it says. And you are furnished, fully furnished in him. You are complete in him. You are perfect in him. You are supplied with everything you need in him. You are replete in him. You are a level. Level up in him. Y'all don't even want me to get Greek on you today. Y'all aren't even ready for this. Everybody, just look at your neighbor and say, live for Jesus. This is no trick, wham, pazam. Oh, look here. Here's a magic hat coming out. I mean, a magic a rabbit coming out the Bible. Oh, look. Here's make-believe. No, this is what the Bible says. And in Christ dwells the fullness of God, and you are complete level up in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? Now keep going. Verse 11. In him you are also circumcised. Where did that script? You are circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands, but by the putting off of the body of sins. Excuse me. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. When Jesus cut away the things of your heart. Does everybody know what uh, the circumcision was for the Jewish people? Okay. What did they get cut off? Their foreskin from their private area. Men got circumcised. How many say that's the Bible? I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just saying, y'all looking at me. Come on now. Are we not all mature enough to handle this? When they got circumcised, they got the foreskin cut off. Now, Many of us here do it in, in our culture, you know. We, we still do this today. But look at what the Bible says. This circumcision of the cutting off of the foreskin is an example of how the body of sins in your flesh was cut off by the circumcision of Christ. 
buried with him in baptism. How many have been baptized? Some people are going to get baptized coming up. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God. How many have faith in Jesus? Who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Come on, say all. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Where are your sins on the cross? Where is your body of death on the cross? Going back to the notes, please. Paul said, set your minds on Christ because you were raised with Christ. You have been given a new life with Christ. Is that how your life is today? Would you be able to say that your life identifies with the life of Christ? Or has the Christian life to you literally become a make-believe? Uh, it's, it's almost like, did anybody here have friends that used to go to Star Trek conventions? Or right now, Mike, where is he at Zambrana? You're having the fluffy convention where they dress up as stuffed animals like the little bears and foxes. And they do this thing at Rosemont. I don't know if anybody heard of this. What's it called? The fluffy convention? Oh, fur fest. And they dress up as little fur, furry things. And they run around. Now, let me just ask you, okay, when that person dresses up as a furry fox and he runs around and does whatever they do in that conference, when he, when he takes off the hat, do you think he really believes he's a fox? Now, if he does, he's probably insane, right? If he still believes I am a fox, he's, he's crazy. But, it, but is this in church? Come on, is this us in church? You know, when I come to church, I just put on my little Christian outfit and and I pretend like, you know, I live for Jesus and I'll act like I believe this stuff. But then when I get to the real world and then when I get to real problems, I don't, I don't believe this stuff anymore. You know, when we deal with real serious issues of racism and corruption and, and government and stuff going on like with Ferguson and all this. I mean, do we really believe we can set our mind on something like what Christ said here and change these circumstances? Or do we believe we got to do it another way? You know, like God, like I tried God's way, but we got to do it this way now. I mean, do we believe that God really changes us, or do we think this is kind of a, a make-believe thing like the, what was that called again? Fur Fest. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, this ain't no Fur Fest. This is no Fur Fest. I'm not playing make-believe. My life has changed. Now, some of you might not have had as a dramatic of a salvation as I did. I was on drugs and alcohol, and literally, I did not touch, I have not touched drugs ever since then. I did not have sex ever since then until I got married, glory to God. I mean, it was a life-changing moment in my life. Some of you might have gradually came to your faith in Christ, and that's okay. But the bottom line is, have you had that life-defining experience of being born again? Does it mean something to you? It should because that's the place that Paul is coming from when he says, now set your minds on Christ because you've been changed. Let's keep going in the notes, please. Point two. And you guys got to scroll down a little bit. Thank you. Verses three through four talk about your life being hidden with Christ. Paul is making it clear that the believer has died and now lives a new life in Christ. This new life will result in receiving glory when Christ appears at his coming. So everybody get this. Now that Christ is in me and I'm setting my mind on Christ, do I become a puppet of Christ? No, I'm still a unique individual. You still have a unique personality. I mean, just look at everybody here, how beautiful they are and how unique we are in our senses of humor and our gifts and our talents. This is the beauty of God's creation. He is displaying his wonders among us that he can make us in all different shapes and sizes. But yet we can all, as Christians, be a part of his body. 
Some of us are his fingers, some of us are his hands, some of us legs, feet, etc. But yet we're all in Christ and our agendas, put it this way, when it's talking about our life being hidden in Christ, our agendas are filtered through Christ. So some of you want to be in business, but how do you do business? Filter your business goals through Christ. How does Christ do business? How many here have families, you know, you're married or you have children? How do you raise your family? You filter your life through Christ and his desire for your family. You hide, listen to it literally, you hide your own desires behind his desires. So you may still have a desire to do something other than what Christ would do, but you hide that behind him and say, I choose his will, not my will be done. Can I tie this together so you can understand Christ's humanity and divinity? If Christ only operated in divinity, why did he say in the garden, not my will, but your will be done? You see, that would cause a contradiction, would it not? Does God have a dual personality within himself? No, when Christ said, not my will be done, what will was he referring to, a divine will or a human will? And when he said, not my will be done, but your will be done, whose will was he submitting to, a divine will or a human will? Divine, so what Christ was showing us in humanity Even being God himself, being the second person of the Trinity, is he was showing us how human wills can submit to a divine will. I hide my life in Christ. I choose with my will to do his will. Now, get this. Jesus was born perfect in the body, and yet he could still choose a will other than God's will. This shows us that even though we've been born again and perfected in our mind, will, and emotions, we still have a choice in our will to choose God's will. Hence the reason why Adam and Eve could sin. Why could Adam and Eve sin? Were they already born sinners? No. Why Adam and Eve could sin is because they had a choice. Everybody say a choice. So being born again does not take away your choice of what you do with your will. Because sometimes people say, well, now that I've been born again, and and they'll accept this part of the message, Christ has perfected me. Now I'm a walking zombie, so whatever I do, God must be pleased with. That is not true. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I always choose the will of God. Just because I've been perfected in Christ doesn't mean I always choose to do it. I have to choose in Christ as I've been born again. I now must choose to hide my life in him. Can I hear an amen? That's why it says, put to death your flesh. What part of you today is not imperfect? Go ahead. Don't be shy about saying the right answer. You only got to worry about being embarrassed, right? But if you're not easily embarrassed, don't worry about it. What is not perfect today? Your flesh, your body. So now you understand we're dualists, aren't we? We believe in body and spirit. Are you your body, though? You have a body, but are you your body? Are you your stomach? Are you your fingers? And how do we know this is true from a biblical standpoint? When our body dies, our soul lives on. So what is perfected in Christ? Our soul. And what is not perfected? Our body. So what is the Christian life? Using our will that Christ has redeemed by being born again to choose his purpose and not what a fleshly body wants. What does a fleshly body want? Fornication. Do you think it's any quinky dink that the first thing Paul always lists in his sins of the body is sex? You know, this is a coincidence. Like, I don't know why he always does that. Like, oh my goodness, Paul, that's just so amazing. Like, that's just so quinky dink. Every time you say a list, you always start off with sex. Why, why do you think Paul, whenever he talks about what your body wants, 
What it desires, the first thing he always mentions is perversion, fornication, adultery. Why do you think that is, class? Because that's probably the strongest desire outside of food that your body has. And the Bible is teaching us there's a way to do that. You don't follow the instinct of your hormones, the teachings of Oprah Winfrey with Stedman shacking up. You follow what the Bible teaches with sexuality. Adults, you do what you want your children to do. Hello? Let me talk to some adults that live differently in the way they want their children to live. Don't be a hypocrite. Do you want your child to do what you're doing now? No, so set the example. Choose it. Or lose it. Because if you don't do it right, you will perish. So I have a body. But listen, but I've been born again. I love Jesus. I'm perfected in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. But this body with freckles and acne, and I can't believe I'm going to be 37 next month, uh, 38 rather, and I still get acne. How is that even possible? My fantasy of an acne-free face has ended. Like I thought when I was 14 years old, if I could at least make it to 21, the acne will be gone. And yet I still wake up with acne. Well, this is my body of death. I have to wear glasses. My hair is turning gray. I'm putting on extra weight. Lord, help me, right? But one day it's going to die, isn't it? This body is going to die. And guess what? Do I get another body? Yes, I do. I get a resurrected body, don't I? Now, somebody might say, well, I was thinking you were saying you get your same body back, but I don't get it back the same way, do I? When Christ resurrected, did he have the same kind of body that could die the same way? No, he got a new resurrected body. Though it had marks with the cross of the old body, he still got a new body. That's why the resurrection is so important is because it's teaching us as we're living with our new souls and the bodies of death that we're to look to Christ that one day we will be resurrected as he was resurrected. So what are we to, and by the way, put to death means to slay utterly and totally, fornication, uncleanness, lust. So the first three things only have to do with sex. <laughs> Why do you think Paul once again repeats it three different ways? Now don't, don't do that. Now don't pet each other in an unclean way. And then now don't lust of each other. Could he have said it any more clear? I mean, every which way you could possibly think of, he said, don't mess it up. Do it my way, God's way. Amen? Then the next one, evil desire, just things outside of God. Greed. Why is greed based in our flesh? Because our flesh wants comfort. We want notoriety. That body wants to be elevated. Have you guys seen what they're doing in California? I mean, have you watched these reality shows? People, come on. I mean, have you seen they're renovating their every part of their body out of greed? Women want an upgrade in the, the upper levels. Men want upgrades in the lower levels. Are you listening? People want to lavish their body with all of these clothes. I mean, my friends, you can't take it when you die. And the Bible says that even the smallest of flowers in the field that's here today and gone tomorrow is clothed better than the richest of every person you like on TV. And isn't it something, the more and more fashion gets out of hand, the more and more they try to dress like flowers. 
Like, what's that one um, African-American rapper that paints her eyes red and pink and purple? Don't y'all act like you don't know. Nicki Minaj, yeah, please don't act like you don't know. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. There's worldly people who do stuff like that? They dress up? No, but seriously, you look at Nicki Minaj, and let's just be honest, because I think everything goes back to Disney movies, but that's another story. But uh, that's another story of how I have that weird theology of what Disney movies expose in our heart as children. But anyways, um, if you look at Nicki Minaj and you look at a garden, it's like she picked the colors of the garden and, you know, the flowers, and she's painted them all on herself, right? And we all laugh about it now, but she gets paid millions of dollars to be that kind of an icon, does she not? Because her body wants that attention. But the Bible says her not to choose that. You can dress nice, but don't make that your idol, wrath. How many get angry sometimes? Do you ever get angry? Do you know that comes from your emotions? I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, nor do I study biology, but I have a little bit of an understanding from a, a Christian point of view. We, we manipulate your body. You know, in science, they manipulate the body. They will get reactions out of you. We increase the heat in this room. You'll become more agitated. Women, a certain time of the month. And how many are happy, ladies, for us to go to another sermon series so I can stop talking about your time of the month of an example of the flesh every time? It's like every, every week, the time of the month becomes a perfect example. Now, this has been, for me, like the most shining example in my marriage because literally, like my wife becomes another person, but she chooses to not live that way. But it's hormones. How many know hormones have to do with that? Okay? So what does Jesus say? What what is Paul saying here? You put that to death. Now, am I putting that to death in a hope that I become alive in something new? No. I am putting it to death because I am already new. And I am choosing to live new instead of living in the old life. So for some people who think there's always this constant battle, like sometimes, like I heard it said like this before, that, that it's like two dogs in a pit. One is called your flesh and one is called your soul. If you keep feeding the things of the soul, the good things of God, that dog will become stronger and, and, and tear up the other dog. And I just thought about that example being a little crazy right now, okay? But you know what I'm saying? This is from the south, okay? I guess we didn't care about dog fights down there. But that was the example. And then if you feed the other dog called your flesh, you feed it perversion, then it's going to tear up in your soul. This is how I was taught the Christian life is. Is that what Paul is saying? Is Paul saying there's a good you, there's a bad you, and sometimes you feed the bad you more than the good you, and that's how it works out, and whatever one you feed more is what you are? No, at the very beginning it says you're new in Christ. Put your mind on Christ. Now put these things to death. It is literally as considered as dead in our lives as dead can be. It is not even figurative. It is literally speaking to us in a literal manner. This part of you is dead. This is not you in Christ anymore. This is not the you that Jesus made. And let me just give you an example right here before I get to the new man. Imagine yesterday was my daughter's birthday, six years old, Bethany. Imagine if in that birthday party she just hung her head down and she goes, my dad doesn't love me. My dad doesn't care about me. My dad doesn't look at me and love me for who I am. My dad doesn't provide for me. Imagine if she did that. More than anger, what would I feel? I would feel what? What, more, what emotion would I feel? Sad, brokenhearted, right? I would say to her, you're my daughter. 
All of this is for you. This house I work for so you can have. These clothes are for you. And I would, and I would literally walk her through her, her, her closet and I would go, you're not, you're not naked and alone here. Look, look at this. You've got clothes. Mom and dad love you. How many would do that if you were a parent and your child said, Mommy doesn't love me, Daddy doesn't love me, no one's here for me? Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you do that? Right? How do you think God feels when we walk around as Christians? God's not here for me. I, I don't think God can help me overcome sin. We hang our head down. We go, I don't know if God's going to make a way out of this. I don't believe I'm blessed. I don't believe I'm pure. I believe I'm still messed up. I don't think I'm who God said I am. What do you think God feels? More than anger, what do you think God feels? A broken heart. He looks at his children and he says, that's not who I made you to be. I didn't make you to be still a sinner. I died on the cross so you could be a saint in my child. I didn't make you to be in a tug of war with sin. I made you alive and you could put sin to death. So let me ask you something. If Bethany woke up this morning, and by the way, we asked her at the end of the day. She's so smart. You know how smart children are, right? Um, And yours, of course, is always the smartest. How many believe they have the smartest kid in the planet right now living with them? How many believe your baby is the cutest baby in the world? But how many know everybody else's babies look like little aliens? Right? Let's just be honest. Your baby looks like a little alien. I don't know what's wrong with your baby. My baby looks like it could be in the Gerber commercials. Yours on the Gremlins. No, I'm kidding. Or whatever. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. But let's be honest. I mean, that's what we feel. I mean, I'm just keeping it real, right? And we're so impressed with our kids. You know, we're so impressed. She's, oh, she's so amazing. Anyways, um, we asked Bethany, oh, what do you think about the birthday? You know, at the end of the day, she goes, I wish I could start it over again and do it again. You see, isn't that the heart of someone thinking through that? She's getting it. I was so spoiled this day. I had so much fun this day. I wish I could do it again. How many believe that God wants us to say that to him every day? God, I just can't wait to do it again. God, I just can't wait to live with you. God, I just can't wait to start Monday morning. I'm not looking at Monday morning as a downer and Wednesday as the hump and Friday as my idolatrous day to do what I want to do. Lord, I'm looking forward to Monday because I can't wait to start another day with you again. I can't wait for you to join me on the commute. I can't wait for you, Jesus, to be in my marriage. I can't wait for you to do what you said you're going to do. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, oh, that's so easy. We live in America. What about the people who suffer? You know what? You haven't talked to people who have suffered. I've read the book by the man who suffered in a Romanian jail cell. They put him in a place of solitary confinement. It was freezing. He had no food. He had nothing. Uh, His name was Richard Warmbrand, and he was locked in that solitary cell. And you know what he did? He would stand up on hours and just pace that little cell, and he would sing a song in his heart that Jesus loved him, that Jesus loved him. That's all he could sing is that Jesus loves me. And then he began to write in his journal that the love of God filled my heart so much that it melted the ice of the jail cell I was in. See, what warmed a man's heart when he was suffering, it was the love of God. So, my friends, what do you think today you're supposed to focus on? The bond of perfection, which is the love of God. He will hold you and keep you through all of your circumstances. There is no trouble so great that God's love cannot come through. The new man is in you, and Christ wants you to live it. Look at the next notes there, point four. Rachel, would you come, please? Verses 9 and 11, the new man has come, and it's in Christ. Listen listen to what Daniel Wallace, a New Testament scholar, said. Daniel Wallace says, Paul's point here about putting off the old and taking on the new is that the Christians should take off their dirty clothing 
which is compared to inappropriate behavior, and put on clean clothing, which is the example of behavior consistent with knowing Christ. Why should they do this? Because this has already been accomplished in a positional sense at the time of their conversion. And I would add, not only positionally are we in Christ, but we're personally in Christ. My person has been changed. He then ends this passage with love being the bond of perfection. And he says, you're going to take off this and put on these things. Why? Because as, listen, you don't have to turn it, but keep this note here, but listen as I quote it. He says, as... God's elect, holy, and beloved people put on tender mercies and so forth. Does he not? So how do we do the things of Christianity? Like Michael Jordan in our flesh, trying to fly and accomplish what's impossible? Or on Jesus' jet of 747 of righteousness? Resting in his righteousness, resting in his perfection, resting in a love that binds us together. That's the Christian life. It's because I've been made holy first when I was born again as a sinner that now I can live holy. Am I trying to live holy now? No. That would be by works, would it not? See, the Christian life is not like your job working for a promotion. You're not working for Jesus to promote you. You're not trying to do more for him to love you more. This is the gift of God. Do you understand? This is a gospel issue. I'm not trying to prove to God. I'm simply trying to honor God. I'm not trying to achieve something with God. I'm trying to live out what God has already given me. Are you holy? Yes or no? Are you beloved? Have you been elected and chosen by God? Because of that, put on tender mercy, act kind, be humble, be meek, suffer long and be patient, forbear and offer forgiveness, and choose love. Let the peace of God then come into your heart. Be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, and then teach it through your songs and your singing. And whatever you do, now do it all unto God. Can we do that today? Can I just ask you to to pause with me before we close and meditate on these five points? Number one, the mind of Christ was given the time we were born again. It's in the notes. Do you believe that? If you have received the mind of Christ, say this with me. I have the mind of Christ. My heart is set upon his heart. Number two, the Bible says we now have one new life in Christ. There's not two yous, a holy and a sinful you. There is a new created you. If you believe that, say that with me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone. The new has come. I am a new person. Because of that, now you can put to death fleshly temptation. Things that come through an inanimate body that has tendencies just like instincts to an animal. Your body can have temptation. You are to put it to death. You are to choose marriage over perversion. 
You're to choose purity over lust. You are to choose forgiveness over bitterness. You are to choose life over death. Forgiveness and mercy over wrath. Words of blessing rather than words of cursing. If you believe you can do that in Christ, can I hear you say this with me? I will live by the new nature, by the new man, and put to death this fleshly desire to sin against a holy God because that's not who I am. And then number four, it says the new man, the anthropos, has been made new in every possible way. And everything that you can think of what makes you a person is the very person that Christ has made new. Don't be deceived by the devil to say nothing really changed when you accepted Jesus. Don't believe the devil to try to have you do works of religion to think you have to to, to change yourself. Christianity is not a self-help book. Christianity, I'm going to say this again. Everybody get this. Christianity is not a self-help book. Christianity is not a renovation book. Christianity is a book of Christ changing humanity. Point blank and simple. It's Christ changing us. Amen. Everybody say, I am a new creation. And lastly, the life of love. We do not have time to get into it here. But the vision that we have in the church and that Jesus said is the greatest commandment to love God and love people. John Wesley talked about that being the perfect bond. Paul talked about it, obviously. And every great Bible teacher who has understood this has understood this point right here. John talks about it as well in his epistle. And it's simply this. Everything you will ever accomplish in life with God and with others, if it, anything that's good will have to be centered around love. Think, let's just think about God. How can I please God? I first have to love God. Then his commandments are not a burden, are they? If I love God, is keeping his commands a burden? Okay, now if I love my wife, is doing what's right by her a burden? So every marriage here should be fixed by the bond of love, should it not? Every marriage. Is there any marriage that can overcome the love of God today? No. Okay, now on our jobs, we should love people and treat them as the way we want to be treated. Do you think there's any customer that will say, you have done me wrong if you have done unto them the way you want it to be done unto yourself? If any customer says that to you, they are not being honest with you. Do you think there's any boss here that would say to you, do not treat customers in this company the way you want to be treated? Do you think any boss will say that? Listen to me, guys. I know you expect something out of service and and life and stuff. Don't do that for them. Give them less than what you would want. Does anybody have a boss that's like that? Because we'll take them around the woodshed and help them, okay? We will remind them of common sense again. But everybody here probably has a boss or is a boss that says, Hey, here's an idea. Let's do things unto them like we want done unto us. That's what I like about the free market. We don't have to do socialism. I like AT&T and and Mobile and Verizon. Let them all compete against each other. And what I like about it is maybe T-Mobile's better for you. AT&T's better for me. But let all of those companies give us the best that they have. Doing unto them as they would want unto themselves. See, that's honesty. That's, that's giving the competitive edge to the best person, not manipulation, not to lying, but to the best product. Let it win and let us build economies that way based on being the best. In closing, I want you to see this. If you believe that when you were born again, you were actually made a new person, then you should be able to believe that your new man is clothed in righteousness, able to please God in whatever you do. 
Are you all ready to live that new life? Can we stand to our feet and give Jesus a hand clap? Amen. Band, would you come? Altar workers, would you just close out in prayer with me, saints? Father, we thank you today for your word. We want to live the new life because it's what you've given us. With every head bowed and eyes closed, as an attitude of prayer, would you search your heart right now and ask yourself the first question, have I been born again? We've already talked about that during the communion today, so I won't spend a lot of time. But if you have not, would you ask Jesus into your heart just right now? And then consider before you leave to meet one of these prayer workers just to pray with you and to help you get started in your new life. But ask yourself sincerely, have I been born again? If you don't know what that is, that's the first indication you haven't been born again. If you're not sure of your salvation, chances are you have not been saved. You could have doubts. You could have condemnation. That is true. That means that you may have things that you're still dealing with. But for the most part, the Bible says salvation is a gift that God gives and that you know his voice and another voice you don't listen to. That means there is surety that you are now a sheep of God in his pasture. So I really want you to take seriously the indication of your heart that if either you don't know what being born again is or you're not sure of it, I would ask you to take that very serious as an indication that most likely you have it. And how is someone born again? The Bible says that we are born again by putting our faith in Jesus. That God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you want that, just pray right now. Just say, I believe in you, Jesus, and I ask you to make me new. I want to be born again. Number two, as these are praying already, with those that are not, just listen to me. Are you living the new life? So if you have been born again, the simple question remains, are you living the new life? If you're not, right now, would you ask the Lord to show you the areas that you know you need to, to change, to put off? Because that's not who God made you to be. That is a contradiction of your nature. That is like my daughter saying, my family doesn't love me. There's no clothes for me to wear. For you to live in life with sin is for you to be a contradiction unto God. So just say, Lord, forgive me. Ask for forgiveness. And then ask him for wisdom to live a different life. You can through Christ right now. And then lastly, the third group I want to pray for as these others are praying, the last group. If you're saying today, I know of no thing I ought to make right, and I believe in Jesus and I'm his righteousness, would you now ask the Lord to give you his plans, his promises, and his purpose for your future? Come on, start to aim a little bit higher. Set your vision a little bit higher. Ask him for what he wants you to do because you're not just here to be perfected and then to be placed in a museum. Here's God's specimen of a born-again person. Aren't they so awesome? Let's all look at them, people. No, the one who's been saved and continually lives in that salvation is to have a purpose. It affects your job. It affects your family. They are to have a plan things to do in life come on 
You can set your heart on those things right now. Band, would you just think for 30 seconds as they do, would you pray in one of those three areas? Either you're being born again, you're asking God to change areas of your life, or you're setting your heart on the plans, the purposes that he has for you to be that person. God, would you line us all up today with who you made us to be? Remove doubt from your heart. Come on, that's the thing I have to battle with the most is doubt. Ask the Lord to remove doubt from your heart today. Believe what he said. Jesus, today. Jesus, today set our lives in order. Let us live like how you intended us to live. Pleasing you in all that we do. Sending our minds and hearts on you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. One more time when we sing this verse together. If you're done praying, would you just worship and say that? If you need to keep praying on your own, do so. We'll do an altar call at the end. But just on your own, either pray or worship with us, please. Make this your declaration today. Hallelujah. From beginning to the end. It will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Now let's sing. From my heart to the heavens. Jesus be the center. Make that proclamation today. Come on. Just a few more moments before we dismiss. Would you sing it with everything inside of you? From my heart to the heavens. Jesus, as we get ready to dismiss, may this be the heart cry. May this be the song we sing and teach others that it's all about you. Bless your people this week. May we live who as who you said we are and do what you said we can do. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen one more time? Can you bless him because he's good? Will you slap your neighbor high five and say you're a new person in Christ? Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, would you come? If you need prayer for anything, come on. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a great week. This is the after party if you want to hang out and worship. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. God bless you.
Take it to the verse. Would you please sing, Jesus be the center. Be the center of it all, Jesus. My family, my jobs, my finances, this church, my dreams. Oh, Lord, from beginning to the end, it will always be. Can we just sing that part again? Just one more time. We need to focus on that. Oh, Jesus, be the center. If you're hanging out today, you can come get prayer or just worship with us. But let this be the anthem of your heart. Amen. Oh, there's so much wisdom in this this morning. Just in your own words, worship Him. The Bible says hymns and spiritual songs. Sing a new song from your heart. Just make up the words from the melody of your soul. 
Jesus. Jesus. Would you just stay on the root note of this song? Just stay on that root note. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're in the after party, you don't got to leave yet. Come on, there's another round coming through. Next round's on the Holy Ghost. Next round's on Him. (laughs) Come on, just lift up your voices. I'm just going to turn Sister Lauren loose as as we just stay on this note. Just to sing a spiritual song over you right now. Come on. Come on, teach me, sister, with that song. Come on. Come on, this is a Holy Ghost lesson. Come on, Rachel, just join in with her. I am yours, you are mine. I am yours, you are mine. And I am yours. After you. Come on, sing it out. You are mine. You are mine. And I am yours. You are mine. And I am yours. And I will follow. Woo! After you. Come on, sing it out. You are mine. I am yours. This is the melody of heaven. I am yours. Time sing it out. You are mine, and I am yours. You are mine, and I am yours. I will follow after you. You are mine, I am yours. You are mine, and I am yours. I will follow after you. Now, come on, bring it back to that root note. Rachel, it's going to be your turn for a spiritual song, so take your time. The rest of us, just make up your own melody. Teach your soul a lesson right now about God. Yes, Lord. Oh, my heart belongs to you. Every part of me is yours. Oh, Jesus, precious Jesus. I receive that. Jesus. Come on now, Lauren, join in there. All my heart belongs to you. All my heart belongs to you. Every part belongs to you. And oh, Jesus. Come on, sing it with them now. And all my heart belongs to you. One more time. All my heart, my heart belongs to you. And every part belongs to you. Oh, precious Jesus. Now bring it to that note. Come on. One more. 
I'm going to give Brother Vinny the chance. If the spirit ain't on him, Brother Ish, you got to come. Because we need a man up here. We've got two women teaching us lessons in the spirit. We need a man. You're going to be able to hear the sound of heaven, brother? Come on, Ishmael, come on up here. I am yours. Oh, precious Jesus. You think you got one? Bring it then. Sing it out, baby. Bring your kingdom down. Bring on this place, Lord God. We want your oh, there it presence is. in this place. <laughs> yes, Lord. Come on, take us there, Vinny. Teach us that song. Teach us. Ladies are listening. Come on. some boys to men for Jesus up here. We want you, Lord. Bring your kingdom down. We want you, Lord. We want you, God. Bring your kingdom down. 